with our series about the new. And uh, what I did is I went through and I downloaded every verse in the Bible that has anything to do with new. Any variation of the word new in Hebrew or Greek or English. And um, I think I came out with about 60 some pages of scriptures. And in reading them, I got to tell you, I've become convinced God likes new. And um, I found out that even in the kingdom of heaven, there ain't nothing old. It's timeless, but it's, it exists beyond time. So there is no old in God's kingdom. In God's economy, everything is new. God likes new. And God's really infatuated with the new you. And so we're going to go into welcome to the new you part two today. But before I do that, I also got to say this, because if you do any type of public speaking, you learn very quickly how to read people's faces. And you can tell when they're connected, when they're disconnected, when they love you, when they're about to sing Hosanna and when they're about to cry crucify, you know. <laughs> and when you see the crucify look, it's time to say, God bless you, service is over. But last week, there was a lot of grimacing and even some glares. And usually I only see that two times. Is this okay? I just, I got to take care of this. If you're touching sacred cows, traditions, sometimes you get the grimaces and you get the glares. But I wasn't touching no sacred cows last week. I'll do that next week. Last week I was talking about the isms. And I could see on the look of some faces that I was touching pain points. Okay. And so I, I need you to understand my heart. I'm never seeking to belittle, diminish, or make light of those of you who have been victimized by the isms. All of us have, just some have more often than others. So I'm never seeking to gloss over or make light of. But what I do want to do, and if I fail to do this, I need to be fired. My job is to make you so aware of God's grace that when that weapon that was once used against you effectively can never be used against you effectively again. Because you've been made aware of the grace of God and that the greater one is in you. And he wants to put you in such a place that even when that weapon is launched against you, it does not prosper. Amen. That when you come to a place in your life that you realize they're saying the same stuff to me now that they did then. And I ought to be mad. I ought to want to kill them. But for some weird reason, I want to pray for them. Then, you know, you've been healed. And God has brought you to another place. So when I'm touching pain points, please know that my intention is not to make light of, nor to diminish your pain. It's to make a great deal about his grace. So that the, the image of his grace and the greater one being in you overshadows those people. Amen. But that, that's my whole intent. So I'm not, I'm not seeking to say it wasn't real, it didn't exist, and you ought to be. No, 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 that wasn't my intent. My intent was to say you're better than that. You're greater than that. You're love-filled, they're hate-filled, and don't let the hate-filled get between you and God. Amen. Amen? So having said that, let's go ahead and get into today's message. At the end of service, we're going to receive communion together, so I won't preach long. 
and I've plugged all the holes so there'll be no rabbits. <laughs> Unless one of you unplugs a hole. <laughs> Hallelujah, Father. Let's pray. I got to switch gears. Father, thank you for your word. Your word is so great. And we stand in awe of it and we embrace it and we want to be changed by it. So we're receiving to our very soul the engrafted word. May you create wellness with words today. May you elevate us and may you make us who you have ordained for us to be. That we would walk out of this place as new men, new women. Embracing the new you in Jesus name and everyone said amen and amen go with me if you would to the book of Galatians We're going to read this verse and Then I'm going to give you a little bit of backstory and then we'll circle back to this verse again Galatians chapter 4 verse 19 out of the amplified version says this my little children For whom I am again and I want two words. I want you to pay close attention to again again and formed Okay my little children for who I am again suffering birth pangs until Christ is completely and permanently formed or molded within you. Now here's the backstory that we need to understand is Paul as the spiritual father of the churches in Galatia. He had birthed them. He was the one who came with the message and and Paul preached a message of such outstanding grace. You see, Paul knew something Peter didn't know until after Paul wrote it. Paul knew something John didn't know until after Peter or Paul wrote it. Paul understood grace. He understood the new creation. He's the one that Jesus taught this to. Paul understood, listen to me when I say this, that the purpose of redemption was reproduction. The purpose of redemption was the reproduction of the God life in mortal men. You understand that the father and I'm going to go back to this again, but I, that the father wanted to reproduce himself, reinstall himself into humanity. He wanted to change nature from the nature of the devil to the nature of deity. This is the whole reason why he had to remove this obstacle called sin. That wasn't the end game. Understand going to heaven is not what redemption is about. God reproducing himself in you so that you live on this earth as Christ did. That's the end game. God, I want a whole species of Christ. Men and women who walk in their world the same way Jesus walked in his. He was the firstborn of many brethren. So the, the, the purpose of redemption is reproduction. The genius, the brilliance of Christianity is the Father reproducing himself in us. So Paul comes to Galatia and he preaches an amazing message of grace. And the churches of Galatia embrace the message of grace. And they live it by faith. And the scholars tell us that of all the churches planted in the early, in the early world, the churches of Galatia stood out for the beauty of Christ being lived among them. They were extraordinary Christ in Christians. They walked in such grace and such freedom that the Judaizers couldn't take it. 
and they crept in and they began to preach an add on message. Now, this is important. I need you. We've got to understand what happens. See, freedom is something that the bound or those who are in bondage to religion can't tolerate. Your freedom is a threat to their way of life. Your freedom is a threat to the kingdom of darkness. I really don't think the enemy's all that much afraid of you dying and going to heaven. In fact, some of you, he wishes you would hurry up. What he's afraid of is that you're going to walk in complete freedom on this planet and teach others how to do the same thing. And so the churches of Galatia were walking in freedom. The, the Judaizers crept in and began to preach an add-on message. What do I mean by that? An add-on message is when somebody tells you, if you really want to be saved, you got to do this. Right? Let's bring it into our world. You'll hear people say, well, you know, Christ redeemed you, but not fully. If you really want to be free from the curse, you got to tithe. Come on, man. Now, you got to hear what I'm saying, okay? It's as if Christ didn't do a good enough job. He started it, but you and I got to finish it. So if you really want to be free, you've got to do this. Is tithing a good thing? Well, of course it is. But it's not a tool of salvation. It's an expression of love. And any time we make something that is a good thing into a tool of salvation, meaning if I don't do this, then I'm not completely saved, you have added on to the message of grace. And when you add on to the message of grace, you subtract from the purpose of redemption. In other words, when we add on to the message of grace, we subtract from our own spiritual growth. Okay? I know of churches in this region that teach that if you're a Christian, you can never miss a church service. Never. Because to miss a church service is the same as turning your back on Christ. Now, is attending church a good thing? I think so. I'm kind of fond of church. That's why I show up every Sunday. But is it a tool of salvation? No. Coming to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than going to a hospital makes you a surgeon. But if we make it a tool of salvation, it becomes an add-on message. We've got to, Jesus started it, you understand what I'm saying? Jesus started it, but we got to finish it. Like he baked the cake, but baby, we got to put the icing on. No, no, no. When he said it is finished, he didn't say it's partially done. He said it is finished. He did everything. Now, what faith does is embrace the grace message, and we become totally trusting in and reliant upon Jesus for the totality of our salvation. And I've said this to you before. There's a difference. Boy, those rabbits got in. How can you tell if you're Christ-reliant or self-reliant? You're self-reliant when the answer to why God ought to do what God needs to do is because of what you've done. <clears throat> I'm keeping it real. We've all heard it. 
well, God, you ought to heal me because I'm a tither. Really? It has nothing to do with the stripes that were laid upon his back? It has everything to do with you giving in an offering? See, that's self-reliance. God, you ought to do this because I never miss church service. You ought to do this because I cleaned the bathroom. God, you ought to do this because I did that. Anytime you think that God ought to do what he does because of what you've done, you're now self-reliant. You have adopted an add-on message. Self-reliant is just a good way of saying self-righteous. And anytime we become self-righteous, we're trusting in and relying upon ourselves Grace diminishes in our lives, and when grace diminishes, so does the image of Christ upon you. Is this okay? So see, this is what was happening in Galatia. They had started out on a journey of faith, but somebody came in and preached an add-on message, and so now they thought they were going to take another journey. And they started to trust in the law. They started to trust in circumcision. They started to trust in the add-on things. And Paul said, y'all are confusing me. Did you not start out the journey in faith and now you think you're going to complete it with what you do? He actually, in Galatians 3, he says, who has bewitched you? See, anytime we're self-reliant, we think anything we do can improve on what Jesus did. It's like we're under some kind of evil spell. And there's a witch somewhere uttering, a, and maybe they're on the pulpit. Hello? But they've uttered some type of vex, a cannotation, or whatever you call those things that they do. And you're there under their spell thinking, I've got to do this. Because if I don't do this, God won't accept me. Can I tell you something? God accepts you not because of what you do. He accepts you in spite of what you've done. He loves you because his love is unconditional and his grace will always be moving towards you. And so we can't be like the churches of Galatia and think, okay, now you've saved me. I've got to do this to cause this. You see, there's, there's, there, there, there's things we do to cause. That's legalism. There's things we do because. That's faith. If I'm doing it to cause God to respond, even if what I'm doing is, 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 is confessing the Scripture, if I think there's some, is this okay? I just want Christ to be exposed in all of our lives. If we think there's magic in saying it 500 times, that's magic. That's witchcraft. Is confession good? Absolutely. But does your confession cause? No. My confession is because. I say what God says because his word is true. I give because he gave to me. I love because he first loved me. You see what I'm saying? So we got to examine ourselves and say, why do we do this? Why do you pray? Are you praying to cause God to do something as if somehow he's ignoring your plight? And if you didn't pray, then God's going to let you die. Or are you praying because you're a child and he's your loving father and you do what any child does when daddy comes home? You run up into his lap and you say, Daddy, that dog came at me, daddy, and I need you to take care of that mean old doggy. <laughs> That's prayer. I'm not praying to cause him to be good. I'm praying because he is good. Yes, and so when we examine ourselves, are we doing this to cause or are we doing this because? 
And when it's because, then the answer to everything is third person, not first person. God, you ought to heal me because Jesus paid the price for my healing. That's third person. It ain't got nothing to do with me. God, I I know you're going to take care of me because Jesus paid the price. He became poor that I might become rich. If it's written, our uncertainty is unnecessary. But the answer is always what He did, never what I did. And see, when, when we can, when we, if we think God's going to do something because of what we did, then we have something to boast about. Well, I broke the back of poverty with a $1,000 offering. No, you did not. He broke the back of poverty when He hung on the cross. Your giving of the $1,000 may be in response to something he told you to do, but you didn't cause it. He caused it. And your offering is in response to his voice. Are you following me? So everything is Jesus, 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 Jesus. Why do you have what you have? Because he loves me. Why are you healed? Because he healed me. Why are you prosperous? Because he prospered me. Why are you all put together? Because he put me together. It's all Him all the time. And so we got to constantly examine ourselves and examine what we're hearing because the churches at Galatia, they got doped, man. Hmm. Boy, you're going to have to download these notes because I'm skipping a lot of things. Listen to this. Christ can only be formed in you in an atmosphere of grace. Christ can only be seen in you in an atmosphere of grace. This is, can we, this is the reason why. Have you ever discovered church folk can be some of the meanest folk you've ever met? That's because they got a form, but they ain't got no power. Because Christ can never be seen in the arena of legalism. Christ cannot be seen. And I'm not, this has nothing to do with them being saved. It has nothing to do with them loving God. I'm talking about Christ being seen in you when you walk like Him, talk like Him, live like Him, look like Him. When you can say like He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Why? Because I've learned to be an imitator of God in an arena of grace. That's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about being fully mature sons and daughters of God, walking through life as the new you, destined to live victoriously. Do you know Christ lived so victoriously? Can you show me one time when a need came up in his life and it wasn't met? Can you show me one time, just one time, where he said, you know, I would if I could, but I can't, so I won't. No, no, no. It doesn't matter what the need was. It was met. In fact, he lived in such victory, he said this. I know y'all want to kill me. But ain't no man, Roman centurion or Jewish Pharisee, ain't no man. That may not be how it's written in your translation, but your translation's wrong because I know Jesus said ain't. (laughs) Ain't no man can take my life. If this plan of redemption is going to play out the way the Father envisioned, I'm going to have to lay it down. You see, this is how God wants you and I to live. You can look at him and say, I know you hate me. 
I know you want to destroy me, but you ain't got what it takes, bro. You can't hurt me. Say whatever you want, do whatever you want, launch whatever you want, but I abide in a place you can't touch because hate can't go there. I abide in a place called love. I live in a place called light. I live in the kingdom of God. You can say whatever you want, but you can't harm me because I ain't leaving where I am to come fight you in your arena. This is a faith fight, and I ain't going to fight it in the flesh. It ain't going to be no tit for tat. I'm not going to get say to you what you've been saying to me. See, if you, if you act like a carnal man, you'll get treated like a carnal man. But if you stay where you are ordained to be in Christ, oh, he can't get to you. You become an absolute nightmare to the devil because he goes, last week that worked. What they've been listening to. And then he'll go get an R, a CD from RLC and say, dog, I wish they hadn't listened to that message. Because Christ in you can never be defeated. Amen. In fact, the Bible, is this okay this morning? The Bible says this, that the very hope of glory, the very hope of heaven is Christ in you. Yes, sir. Heaven has hung all of its hopes on Christ in you. Now you know why you've been fought so hard. Because the devil doesn't want the new you. Like I told you before, he ain't afraid of the old you. He liked the old you. The old you and him were partners in crime. And he ain't afraid of the religious you. Because he's the mastermind behind all world religions. But the new you, the you that looks like Jesus, the you that walks like Jesus, the you that loves like Jesus, he don't ever want to see that again. So Christ can only be fully formed in you in an atmosphere of grace. Go with me to Ephesians 2.8. I want to read this out of the Passion Translation. Is this okay this morning? I told you I wouldn't preach long. I lied. But I'm in church, so it's easy to repent. <laughs> Ephesians 2.8, listen to this out of the Passion Translation. For it was only through this wonderful grace that we believed in Him. Nothing we did could ever earn this salvation. For it was the gracious gift from God that brought us to Christ. Verse 9, no one will ever be able to boast, for salvation is never a reward for good works or human striving. Hmm. See, I believe grace is the antidote to pride. Religion gives birth to pride. Grace kills it. Because when we're operating in grace, we ain't got nothing to brag about. Except for one person. We brag like Paul did on God. So when we add to, we hinder our own spiritual growth. The new you can never be seen. No, the new you can only ever be seen. As you and I fully and completely embrace grace. And last week we ended with the understanding that the new life, the new you, is the Christ life. I already said this, but I want to say it again. Every real father desires to reproduce himself in his son. The father's dream is to rep reproduce himself in us. The brilliance of Christianity is the ability of God to build Himself into us through the Word. 
so that in our daily lives we live like the master. You, can I say, you were not ordained to misery. You were not ordained to low level, barely get by, get beat up by the devil, lose your lunch money all the time to the enemy. You know, I, I, one of my, I've told you before that my favorite authors are all dead. So I hope you don't write a book that I like. Say lot. One of my favorite authors said, there are two kinds of miracles. There's the miracles of heaven and the miracles of hell. And hell must consider it a real miracle when they're able to damage a child of God. And I, when I read that, I had to stop it. Because see, in Christ, we're supposed to be untouchable, unreachable. And how the devil must consider it a miracle when he forms a weapon and launches it and it works. That it has the desired result. You get offended. You get mad. Well, I'm never going to talk to them again. I'll never forgive them for what they said. I'll never forgive him for what he did. And the enemy's like, it worked. Are you kidding me? Hey, calls over his chief demons and say, look at this. It worked. We got him. Can you believe it? Then there's heaven's miracles. And heaven's miracles are where the grace of God comes into your life in such a way that it erases the damage done. And you live life as if that never happened to you. That you were never violated physically, emotionally, financially. And it's like people look at you and say, I know the hell you went through. How can you love them? I know what they said to you. How can you forgive them? Grace. So when the enemy can't touch us, everything that is said, everything that is done, it's like water off a duck's back. It just doesn't even stick. It just flows off. And we can walk on in victory. Are they going to say what they want to say? Of course. That great prophetess, Taylor Swift, she said, haters going to hate. Hate, hate, hate. And players going to play. Play, play, play. They're going to do those things, but it's not going to impact you anymore. Because the haters are going to keep on hating, but you're, you're in another place. You speak another language. They can't touch you. And you look on and wonder and think, when I, why do you act that way? And now you can pray for them. Because they can't hurt you. Is this okay? See, the enemy can't touch the new you. He really can't. Oh, he'll try. You remember there was a time in the life of Jesus that he healed. He did the unthinkable. I can't believe he did this. He healed on the Sabbath, interrupted a perfectly good church service just to help that man with a withered hand. He could have waited till Monday. And they got so infuriated at him that for the healing and the blasphemy, they brought him to the edge of a cliff. Their intent was not a picnic. Their intent was to hurl him off the cliff and kill him. And you know what the Bible says? He turned around and he walked right through him. Now, I love scholars debate how he did this. Some say that almost in, in an immaterial form, he literally walked right through them. That's possible. He did walk through walls later on. And others just, it was almost as if they got blinded and they, he just... 
walk through. No matter what, they couldn't touch him, even though they wanted to. He turned around as if to say, not here, not now, not today. It ain't happening. And he went on his way. That's the type of life you and I are supposed to live, that when they think they got you, you can say, not here, not now, not today. This ain't happening. And you walk right on past and through them. Everyone say the new me. The new you can't be touched by the enemy. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, be imitators of God. Do you hear that? It literally means copy God, mimic God. What would God say if he was in the situation you're in? Say that. What would he do if he was in the situation you're in? Say that. Do that. Amen? Therefore, be imitators of God, copy him and follow his example. As well-beloved children imitate their father. As children of love, we are to walk in love as Christ walked in love toward the world. The new, listen to this, the new you has God's life, God's nature, and God's abilities within you. The new you has the ability to live victoriously in life just as victoriously as Christ did. It's worth giving your life for. The Father so loved the world that He gave His Son. Jesus so loved the world that He gave Himself. We so love the world that we give ourselves. Galatians chapter 4, verse 19. I told you I'll circle back. This begins our closing. But the weather's rough, so the airplane might need to circle a few times. Happy birthday, young lady. Galatians 4.19, my little children, for whom I am again suffering birth pangs. Can you imagine this? I mean, Paul's saying, I done did this one time. <laughs> How many of you have ever given birth to a baby? And if I see a man's hand going up, I'm tackling you. Okay. Would you want to do that again for the same baby? <laughs> I'm like, oh, Lord. And no. Well, this is what Paul's saying. He said, I've already gone through this. I travailed. I <laughs> for you one time. And now I'm having to do it again. Why? Because somebody came and they aborted the grace that was in your life. So the word again literally means I'm doing the same thing. I'm going to keep preaching grace to you until Christ can be seen in you all over again. The Galatian church had been birthed through grace and lived by faith. And the beauty of Christ was clearly evident. But Christ had disappeared. And hear me when I say this. Phariseeism had taken His place. Now church was about rules. Dress code. Behavior modification. What to do and what not to do instead of the beauty of Christ. Instead of this person loving that person and that person loving the other person and having a love fast in church, it became, I think that dress is too short. Anyone got a tape measure? I'm, come on. I don't know if you've ever, I've been to the churches where they had a person at the door with a tape measure. And there are two things they were looking for. The length of the skirt 
not on me, on my wife, and the length of the hair. I always thought, well, then a bald man can't come into your church because the hair had to touch here. What if you ain't got none, bro? That's legalism. Hmm. I'm going to skipping some things for the sake of time. We are created in Christ Jesus. We are his creation. Until, listen to this, until Christ is fully formed in us, the world cannot see anything but religion. So Paul said that he used the word again. He's saying, I'm going to preach grace all over again. I'm like a woman giving birth to the same child, but it's worth it because the world needs to see Christ in you. And then the word formed is the word morpho. And scholars say it's in the passive form. In the Greek, it's in, it's, it's, it's in a passive form. And this is what it means. Christ will not force himself to be seen in you. He won't. It's not like he's on the inside and saying, I don't care what you think, the world's going to see me. No, no. He's in you in seed form, but the atmosphere. Can I, can I chase that rabbit a little bit? The atmosphere has to be right. You see, God is a God of atmospheres. He creates atmospheres for everything. When he created fish, he already had an atmosphere for them called aqua. The, the, the atmosphere for a fish is the aqua atmosphere. And if you take a fish out of that atmosphere, bad things happen. The atmosphere for the birds is the sky. The atmosphere for you and I is called terra firma. We don't do well in water. Keep me down long enough, I ain't coming back up. We don't do well in the sky because we tend to fall. And it's not the fall that kills you. It's the sudden stop. We do well with our feet because we have an atmosphere, right? Everything has an atmosphere. The atmosphere for the new you is grace. That's the atmosphere. When you're in a grace atmosphere, when you're not relying on self, but it's all about Jesus, Jesus then begins to come out. He's in you, but he becomes the out of you. And now everyone can see Christ in you. They can see the Christian, not the religion. Is this making sense? The new you, my friend, looks just like Jesus. Because you're created in his image. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 4 says this, that we become sharers in the very nature of God. Listen to this as we close. The new you is unstoppable, invulnerable, and unshakable. This is the new you. Hell has no answer for the new you. Colossians chapter 1, verse 10. Listen to this prayer. This is a prayer the Holy Spirit prayed through the Apostle Paul. Colossians chapter 1, verse 10. We pray that you would walk in the ways of true righteousness, pleasing God in every good thing you do. Then you'll become fruit-bearing branches, yielding to His life, and maturing in the rich experience of knowing God in His fullness. Verse 11. And we pray that you would be energized with all His explosive power from the realm of His magnificent glory, filling you with great hope. 
And in response to these prayers, your hearts can soar with joyful gratitude when you think of how God made you worthy to receive the glorious inheritance freely given to us by living in the light. Hmm. As you study the writings of Paul, you'll become convinced that the ultimate of every one of his epistles is building the life of Jesus, the new you into every single individual. Because well, i got to say it again. The cause of redemption is not escapism. It's, redemption's not, are y'all listening to me? It's not a get out of hell free card. It's so much more than that. It's a live life to the fullest invitation. It's a live life the way God ordained for humans to live. He didn't ordain for you to live in misery. He didn't ordain for you to live broke. He didn't ordain for you to die of disease. He didn't ordain for you to die. All the things you and I struggle with, they're the result of sin entering into the world. But he's redeemed us from that. This is why Paul said that you ought to live life in such a way that you live as if you're dead to sin. It can't touch you. You're in the world. But you ain't of it. But you got to believe this stuff, man. You got to believe there's a new you. Peter calls it the hidden man of the heart. You got to believe that the greater one abides in you and he's seeking to expose himself to the whole world through you. That you were created to be a miracle worker. That your words bring life. That when you speak, devils flee. Angels pay attention and the world changes. You, you've got to believe that when you enter into a place, it changes because you're there. This isn't egotism. It's not because you're great. It's because he's great. And you're a carrier of the anointing. When you lay your hands on the sick, what happens? They recover. But do you believe that? You need to because it's true. You're not a church goer. You're a world changer. Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap. His plan for building himself into us is his word. And as we believe in and adopt his word, we take his place. And we learn to act in his stead. As we started out this series, we put on the new. We rid ourselves of the old and we put on the new. And one last thought. Put up that last slide, Sister Fowler. The new you, let this sink in, is a world changer. The new you is not victimized by culture. The new you changes culture. You know, there's a word that floats around a lot, and they always apply it to the wrong people. They're an influencer. You ever heard that? They're an in, in other words, they do, they do nothing but sitting in their mama's basement and make videos. But they're an influencer because they got a thousand likes on TikTok. Well, I got an answer to TikTok. It's called Toe. Tic-tac-toe. <laughs> Pastor, that makes no sense. It doesn't have to. Because by next week, you'll have forgot I said it. But the new you, you want to know the influencers? People of light. Creatures of light. You are the true influencers. 
You don't, you're not influenced. You influence. Yes, sir. Because the new you is a generation changer. Yes. The new you is a cultural changer. The new you is a world changer. 